whether or not you've got eggs. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to another episode of COP. They keep coming, you keep listening to them. Here's another. This week we're talking about the Sergio Leone movie, A Fistful of Dollars. With me is Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and you know what? I'm happy to be here back on the show. Yeah. Um, I always love being here. Um, you know, I know... Well, this is your first time on the show. Why not, Luke? Has I'm not his ideal co-host, mm-hmm. but you know when I'm afforded the opportunity to talk about movies and and stuff, you know it's a good it's a good time. So thanks for having me here today. No, no problem. After you left, well, not you, but the original Matt left the show last week. Uh, you know I had to find a new replacement. It didn't take a lot of time. There's a lot of Matts out there, but uh, hopefully you got big shoes to fill. You a fan of the ten bag system? Um, yeah, yeah, I love 10 bags. It's, uh, wow. yeah, you know. Yeah. Off to a great start already, holy. Yeah, I'll give this movie 10 bags for sure. You know, I mean, I'm new here, so I, who am I to use a different rating system? They'll just yeah. be rude. Yeah, exactly. I like your attitude. Hey. You're gonna move up in this establishment. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I really hope I have a feature here. We'll see. We'll see. Alright, we gotta do a quick shout out. Shout out to Norm MacDonald and his family. Uh, we're gonna pay respects to him by reviewing, what is it, Dirty Work? <laughs> Dirty Work. Dirty and Work. You know what, I was looking up Norm Macdonald movies, and he doesn't really have any starring roles except this movie, and then I went to the Wikipedia and it had cult in it, and I was like, boom, this is the, there easy, you go. This is the easiest pick ever. Hopefully it's a good one, so we don't have to, uh... Okay, I won't lie, the Rotten Tomatoes is... It's not... <laughs> yeah, this movie, Dirty Work... It's probably gonna be not good. <laughs> okay, you know I'm I'm getting Freddy Got Finger type vibes here. Not that bad, but you know when they get a, a funny sardonic stand up comedian type, yeah, and then they give him a movie and he just can't help himself. He just doesn't give a fuck. And yes, and he just it just has this awful nihilistic bent to it. Um, but it'll probably be a fun time at the very least. And I'm sure it'll be fun for the whole family, given the title. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Norm, here's open, and uh, here's to you, kid. Bless up, Norm. Everyone watches the interview with Super Dave. Uh, so good. That's that's just one of the best podcast episodes I've seen of anything ever. Yeah, that one, I listened to him and Gilbert Godfrey. That was good, too. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he has a lot of great clips, you know. I'm not Norm on YouTube, guys. If you don't know Norm, you gotta know Norm now. Canadian legend. R.I.P. Bless up. Okay, was there anything else I want to talk about beforehand? Let's talk about the Matrix trailer. Okay, let's talk about the Matrix trailer. So the trailer for uh, the Matrix Resurrected, or Resurrections? Yeah, Resurrections. Uh, came out. Um, and of course, this is the fourth entry in the classic and beloved Matrix franchise, mm-hmm. um, which extends to novels, comic books, video, video games, and of course, film. Uh, so Luke and I were uh, lucky enough that we got to see the trailer here together and experience for the first time uh, as co-hosts. And um, it was a good time. And that was a great trailer, too. Um, if I had to give a bag, I'd give it four bags out of five bags. You're a fan of the five bag scale? Oh, um, <laughs> did I say five bags? That was a little slip. I meant eight bags out of ten. <laughs> of course. Naturally. Yeah, naturally, naturally. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a really bad trailer, and I called it, you know, before we started recording, I said, we're going to watch this movie, or this trailer, and there's going to be music that swells, and then it's going to stop, and then someone's going to say some line, and then, the Matrix, and that's exactly what happened, and the line was, uh, oh, we're back in the Matrix, Uh, what? Pog. Um, so I don't know how they're gonna hand wave away the fact that he somehow Neo is somehow back in the Matrix, uh, because as I remember, and I watch these three movies, and to be fair, I only remember the first one. I think in one of them there's some guy who wants a steak and he sells on Neo, 
Maybe that's the second one. And then the third one, uh, there's those really alien-looking twins with the white dreads. And then the third one, Neo um, defeats the Matrix. He ends it. So I don't know how he's going to be, you know, back in it, but we'll have to see. Well, he's back in the game and he's kicking ass. And, okay, you know what? Here's the problem with trailers like this. You don't even know if the movie's going to be good or not because the trailer shit. Mm-hmm. So this movie could be good, but the tr- this is a terrible trailer. Uh, it's just like, as Luke said, it was just so predictable. Um, ye- I will maybe watch this movie because I know that if I watch this movie, I'll have to watch two bad Matrix sequels. And that is a hard bargain, okay? They're bad. These Matrix sequels, they're not good. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. And the third one, he becomes God for some reason or something. He talks to, like, a guy in white. Is that God? Oh, in the room with all the screens? Yeah. Um, In, like, the Matrix world, I, I think so. Is he, like, head alien? I should watch these movies. Yeah, just watch them, and then you'll be in the same state that I'm in. We can do a Matrix double feature before Matrix 4 comes out, where we watch 2 and 3, and we punish ourselves after a good streak of movies. Okay? When does it come out? Oh, this is a Christmas. Here's what we'll do, you know, the horror month's gonna be banging. Mm-hmm. You know, November time, when it's getting close to Christmas time, yeah, we'll pound out these Matrix films. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll just, it will be fun for the whole family, I'm sure. No. And you'll just see he becomes God and starts... Like, he's God outside of the Matrix world and the real world for some reason. You'll see. Holy, they got lost in the sauce. Look, the Matrix is like onions. Mm -hmm. It has layers. Right. The Matrix has layers. Onions have layers. Do you understand? There's layers. Philosophy. Class of philosophy. Philosophy. Computer technology. Guns. Leather. It all looks cool. Just remember, okay? They're going to cut that leather shit out of the movie because that looks goofy as all hell. <laughs> like, th- th- those um, sunglasses definitely didn't age well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Should have for some aviators or something. Yeah. I don't know. Those big ski glasses. Like, if you see a guy dressed like Neo walk into the mall, um, you're Get hitting out. the panic button immediately. Yeah. Um, because you know there's something under that vest. <laughs> okay. And it's a heart full of gold. <laughs> so check out Matrix for Resurrection. Do not, I do not endorse it. And watch the trailer. No, watch the trailer. Turn your ad block on for this one, folks. Guys, you have to understand. In pandemic times like this, the closest thing we get to movie hype is when we pick a temple movie from a studio's YouTube account and we give it millions of views. And then we go in the comments and you make comments. And then you go on Reddit and you post about it and you talk about it with your friends and it's a big event. Lucas, this is well more than the quality of films, which is not really important, by the way. Um, it's about films uh, as an experience. I will strangle the life out of you <laughs> without hesitation. Don't say that again. Okay. All right, last warning. Okay, sorry about that, man. <laughs> I didn't want to overstep my bounds there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, no. Uh, I'm excited for the Edgar Wright movie. I'll see that. Yeah, who cares? Who's Edgar? What has he done? <laughs> he did the fucking Matrix, you know? He did the Matrix? The first one. Okay, shit, then I'll watch it. Did Jaws 1 and 2. Get out. Hey, that was so long ago. <laughs> He's an old guy. Shit. I knew his name was familiar. I, I like King Gizzard. I thought Spielberg did Jaws. No, you were mistaken. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I read it on the internet. So, yeah. Can't trust anything. Was it on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. Not a scholarly yeah. source. Yeah, alright. I learned my lesson. Yeah, well... With that out of the way, let's talk about the movie. Let's get down to brass tacks here. Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you first. You want me to talk about the movie? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Right away, I'm going to tell you guys right now, it's going to be a contentious episode, okay? Because I know I like this movie more than Lucas did. Mm-hmm. So, Lucas, I'm going to let you start. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me us a rundown of the plot. 
And I wanted to give first impressions because I like this movie quite a bit and I know you didn't like it as much. Here's what's going to happen. Matt is just going to talk about how good of a script this is. <laughs> is that what's going to happen? Look, it's a good script. It's a good script, you know? Look, well, this, this is a delightful little script mm-hmm. that we have here. And this is a delightful little film. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, sure. So the movie... <laughs> Dude, I can't even tell you. So there's Clint Eastwood's character. He's a man with no name. At one point, a character I think calls him Joe. Did you catch that? Yeah, it's he's a man with no name, but the the coffin maker guy. He calls he him did, Joe. He just calls him Joe, I guess, because you can't just be like, "Hey, guy, hey, man." Oh, that's just supposed to be like a "Hey, buddy." Yeah, like his they, he never says his name. Yeah, nobody else asks his name. But and in the credits, I think it's just he's unnamed, but he yeah. calls him Joe. Okay, that's just a little something. Cause he just he's just Joe Schmo. You know, yeah. he just walks into town. He's just you know who is this guy? So yeah, like Matt says, he walks into town, and there's like some rival gangs or something, and then he. He's Superman, and he saves the day, and gets some money, and he's on his way. Hip-hopped on you. <laughs> it's just, uh, like, for the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was I didn't have subtitles, which was maybe a mistake, because I had no clue what the hell was going on. Like, there's something about a Baxter's family, and there's something about another family, and then uh, Clint Eastwood's character has, like, a Yoda figure who is guiding him through this town and their dilemmas and then he he just kind of like i don't know saves a day for some reason and takes off dude i don't like i can see why like boomers love this because it's like this idealistic macho man who just chews on cigarettes all day just licks it and it's like slobbering he loves cigarettes hey, he keeps he, it cla- he keeps it classy okay he keeps it classy uh, <laughs> uh, and like he just um he works for his money and he does what's right and all these like you know good boomer macho masculinity uh image <sighs> things i mean Man, I do, but what about when he shoots like seven guys at a time? That's the best part of the movie. The (laughs) the best part of the movie is the action and especially the end. The end all of a sudden is like, damn, this is actually getting good. But the movie is like an hour and 39 minutes, something like like that. that. It spends a lot of them just kind of like, it's, it's set up and payoff, but the setup is so long. Like this whole... Thing that he's doing back and forth figuring out what's going on with the two families and all that <sighs> takes too long for me man <laughs> you want me to keep going um okay let me let me ask you this okay okay let me ask you this <laughs> that is this a good looking movie does this movie look good mm, at parts so only sometimes yeah, like the costuming and all that, that's all good. Uh-huh. And how it's shot, especially at the end when it becomes very dynamic and the tension is there. I was like, damn, this is really good. Like when that guy gets shot and he's kind of like staggering around and then you get a POV shot of him like staring up at the sun. Like all that stuff is really good. And then you get like snap zooms and close ups and this, like, oh, yeah, 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 this is what I'm talking about. But, um,. A lot of the movie is just very static of him kind of just walking around, talking to people, and and plotting. I'm going to be honest, I fell asleep in this movie, and <laughs> I did, like, I started resting my eyes a bit, <laughs> and I woke up and I, uh, you know, I watched the rest, I rewatched it later, but, um, yeah, there's like, I'm oh, sorry. Were you, it's, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, at times it looks, uh, it looks okay. I really like the way this movie looks. Is the thing I think this is a this is a delightful little film, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Okay, or maybe even a delightful, dare I say, medium sized film. Okay, <laughs> this movie looks very good in my opinion. I really like Sergio Leone's shot composition. He has a lot of he likes to play with the camera in a way that you know it really just makes for good iconography. There's so many shots in this that are just looking nice from just a compositional standpoint. Like, you know, he'll be um, 
in a later scene when he gets tortured and he has to escape the camp, you'll see him looking through the floorboards through a little crack while you see all the men on top of him. Yeah, see, that's good. You yeah, see yeah. the feet. Um, you know, even when he has just a bunch of characters on screen talking, which I admit is something that does happen in this film. Like, there's it's a de- there's a decent amount of discourse in this film. This isn't an action film, no, really. Um, but the thing is, he keeps the character perspectives and stuff like that interesting. You know, there's a scene where the I guess we'll call him Joe, because it's shorter than the man with no name. Joe goes to the Rojos, and there's eight characters on screen for a second. And some of them are standing, and all of them are sitting, but and some of them are sitting, but and they all look good, and they all fit well in the frame. And when any character speaks, you can tell exactly what they're doing. I think he just has really, really good eye, and there's a lot of just good stuff, just not only just from like every every frame of painting type mm-hmm. stuff, but I think he's good with the camera when it comes to the action scenes and stuff like that too. Yeah, the action scenes, like especially, that's what I like. Like near the end of the movie, where you're getting like. Uh, them burning down that building and uh, anything like beyond that, like when he's pushing the barrel down, then like the last third of the movie is like my favorite part of the movie by far. Yeah. Because um, like the the first is just it's it's really boring and I feel like I'm sorry and I like slow movies like I love the I like two thousand one I like the director's cut of Apocalypse Now I like slow I like long movies. Those movies are so overindulgent. And this one, I was just like, I, here's what I think is going to happen for me, okay. is I'm going to watch, is the second one, The Good, The Mad, and The Ugly, or... Uh, I've, you're going to have to wait yeah. one more movie, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. And, this, and the next one's going to be the low, like, not the low point, but it's like, it's the middle child of these movies. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, so what I, I think is going to happen is I'm going to eventually watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I'm going to really like that movie, and then... I might go back and like this one a bit more because of that. And I think that's what's happened. What That's what has happened. Because I don't... I'm not getting, like, the 98 it has on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the, like, unanimous praise, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like... I think when this movie came out, the reviews were semi-mixed. Because here's the thing with this movie. Is that it's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. It's like this Western, but as Luke said, like... The character is such a romanticized portrayal yes. of the Wild West hero. Yes. He's just the coolest guy of all yeah. time. He can kill as many guys as he wants uh, in any amount of time. Like he kills eight guys before they even take out their gun. He always got a cigar. But I think like that's almost done to a comedic point. Because what I think is that Sergio Leone knows about the Western. And at this point, when the movie came out, like 1964, the Western was like... It was, like, almost played out. Because yeah. the Westerns were, like, done by the 70s. Yeah. Like, nobody was doing them anymore. So, he made this one, and it's a spaghetti Western, which just means they made it in Italy. Yeah. But I think Sergio, Le- Sergio Leone is a guy who's seen a lot of Westerns, or, like, any person at the time, I guess, had seen a lot of Westerns. And he just basically took all, like, the meatiest elements into a story that I think is pretty lean. And then he made just kind of this uh, very prototypical and not particularly deep admittedly uh, cowboy movie and I just think it's a lot of fun do you think it's like the cowboy movie of um, um, or it's like the cowboy movie equivalent of Die Hard it's like it's, it is kind of like Die Hard like, yeah. and, it, and it does I think have a bit of like a satiric quality that's like you know if you haven't seen a lot of westerns and the thing with westerns is that and not that I've seen a lot of them. I've maybe seen, like, just some of the big hits and played Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I got a lot of hours on that, though. Uh, but the thing is, like, with the Western is that the movie, the genre now is, like, the Western would not survive now because the movies are slow. Mm-hmm. They're methodical. Like, they yeah. just plot. A lot of the Western is just shots of people's eyes or their faces and their reactions. I like to think, like, the reason it's like that is just, I don't know, because, like, the Wild West was kind of desolate and, I don't know, just kind of a hard time. So Mm -hmm. they try to reflect that in the filmmaking. But the Western is not something that would thrive now. So as somebody who is, I feel, like, personally more inclined to, like, be patient with a movie like this, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. Uh, Because usually these types of movies are kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, in that regard. Yeah, like I the movie that comes to mind 
when I thought of a Western that doesn't do this kind of thing right, and even though it's not really a Western, but it has the same kind of plotting that made me think like, oh, this is what could have gone wrong, is Westworld. Because yeah. remember that one where it's just like, and then he just is getting chased by this guy. And, and then, then they, they go to the bar. And then they go, like, and there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just like, that's like a, that's like the shallowest Western possible. That's like what I, I feared this movie would be. But I think this movie is way more interesting than Westworld. And I think that there's a lot more to remember. This is a very memorable film, in my opinion, too. Like what? Well, the sh- some of the shots are great. I mean, the man with no name, he's, like, honestly, he is, like, as you said, a very prototypical character, but he's great in this movie. Like, Clint, like Clint Eastwood Clint, is? Clint Eastwood is great in this movie. Yeah. He does a good performance. He does that character so well. He, it, he gives, like, the character, like, and I can see why boomers idolize him, because he just gives it, like, this larger-than-life feel. The character that he plays is not, like, invulnerable, like Superman. Like, the last half of the film is him recovering from getting beat up yeah and it's just such a great portrayal of like the morally ambiguous but like ultimately somewhat good wild west gunslinger he just does it so well in this movie and i can see why he's iconic like that yeah no he he was really good in it i think he's probably the best in the movie hands down because other than him i there isn't like too big of standouts no, and you know what? Even some of the antagonists in this movie, they're downright cartoonish. And yes. I think that's a, a, another part of the film that is kind of deliberate, is that the this kind of cartoony quality of the film. Like, there's stuff that he plays with visually. Like, for example, when he first goes to this little, like, bar, I guess. Bar slash motel. Mm-hmm. Um, owned by this guy, Silvanito. <laughs> and he's telling Silvanito's telling him about the town because he's new in town. He's like, "What's the situation?" He's like, "There's this gang, this gang." He says, "You gotta kill in this town if you want to stay alive." Yeah. And then he opens up the window, and then there's just conveniently the coffin maker sitting on a coffin, hacking <laughs> away. That's like very cartoonish imagery, where it's just like it's a picture, like like just that frame, just tells a big story or like tells a lot of information. Mm-hmm. He's really good at conveying information even without dialogue and. This movie, like, script-wise, is, like, decent, but I don't even think that's the strong suit of it, because, once I, once again, like, the storyline is pretty just, like, traditional Western stuff. Like, it's just, guy goes into town, makes some money, kills some guys, and then at the end he goes, see you later, Kimo Sabi, and then he rides away. Like, this isn't gonna blow your mind on us in, in terms of storytelling, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know, the movie is just... It's, it's just a lot of fun to me, I don't know. Yeah, I I was find myself repeating the same thing, but it's just like the 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 first bit didn't uh, didn't wow me, and like the honestly like the man with the known Joe is uh, is the best part of the movie because most of the characters like really for me just blend together, and in terms of voice acting, because a lot of this movie is dubbed, um, a lot of them like sound exactly the same like it sounds like it's voiced by the same person i don't know if you notice that but they're all kind of like hey hey, hey. <laughs> i don't know if that's how they talk on the u.s mexico border but they all got this like snarl to them yeah where they go hey <laughs> come up with your hands up hey. it sounds like it's just the same guy but he pitched his voice up and down depending on which character he was doing Maybe like I, I think I think it was them. I think the actors just each did their role, but they all just talked in a similar way. I'll admit that the dubbing this is like a technical mistake. Yeah. Because if well, it's bad. Even when remastered as it is now, like whatever remastered version I rented from Blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, it still kind of sounds like shit. Yeah. So the audio mixing in this is admittedly not great, but I think that was just a production quality issue, so I don't fault them that much. The other thing... Well, it's it's the audio quality and that it's like, I can't do, like... Uh, this is going to be hypocritical, hypocritical because I like Suspiria, but, like, it's just so unmatched. Like... So, <laughs> You know, and yeah, it is. It doesn't match. Like, characters will move their lips a lot, and yeah. then on screen they'll mutter, they'll mutter or vice versa. Um, the thing with that is, like, technically it's bad. Like, full, full stop. Yeah. Um, I like it just because it's, like, a funny little novelty. Because, I don't know, the movie is already kind of cartoonish <laughs> and silly. So the fact that it has, like, this poor dubbing, too, it's just something that I kind of like from a charm perspective. <laughs> You think that's why George Lucas did it with, like, uh, New Gunray? 
in uh, episode one. That big, tall, gray alien oh, with the Chinese accent. Yeah, I imagine he's paying homage. George Lucas is, seems like a Tarantino type where he just seen 400 million movies and he has to take influence from all of them at the same time. So, yeah. That's why, like, they, they, their mouth moves, but uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> it doesn't match up at all. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's bad from, like... I just can't get over it. it. It takes me out of the movie. And like for me, I just I can't tune that out all that well unless like really interesting stuff is happening all the time. Apparently, that was the norm. Like in Italy, you yeah. just film the movie yeah. silently and then dub after. Yeah. It's like, do you guys not have boom mics or <laughs> what's the problem? Like, yeah. Why are you guys doing that? Why are all your movies dubbed over? Because it's more work. In Italy, they have to hire so many people from Europe. America for the stars, Italians, Germany, wherever they have to. What's it? Europe? Uh, doesn't matter. They they have to get all these people with different accents who are supposed to be playing characters with specific accents, so they have to dub over it afterwards. Yeah. That that's pretty much the main reason was. It's not like America where you have tons of American people trying to like get into Hollywood. They had to take from all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the Italian version of this is better or anything like that. Maybe. Maybe we gotta learn Italian so that we fully appreciate this movie. That's that's the next step. I'm sure that cut doesn't exist. The Italian cut? Yeah. Why? They probably just made it like this, uh, the, the way we saw it, and that's it. Oh. You don't think they... I'm pretty sure they dubbed it, because the movie came out in Italy. Yeah, I'm sure probably said subtitles or something. I don't oh, know. Or I don't know if Italians speak a lot of English. Probably. Like, it's uh, it's kind of a North American meme to only speak one language. <laughs> a lot of people in other countries speak multiple oh, languages. Many of them are bilingual. And they, and they all speak English, too. Yeah. And then in, in America, it's like, I speak English. Because I'm married. Bonjour. Bonjour. Hola, estas. <laughs> yeah, no, we're really bad for that here. Hey, we know two languages, all good, huh? <laughs> Sometimes I think, like, what is this word in French again? I'm like, oh, I have no clue. Just remember, omelette de fromage, that's all you need. Another thing I have to say is, like, the, the makeup in this movie is really bad, and I can't excuse it. Um, like, the costume is good, the makeup is bad. Whenever someone gets into a fight, or any sort, like, gunfight or fist fight, they get this, like makeup on them to make them look dirty but it's like silver for some reason yeah you know what i'm talking yeah. about like there's the scene when he's crawling after he gets tortured yes and it's like he's supposed to have dirt on him and you're like what did he crawl through yes <laughs> yeah it looks really bad um also i know it wasn't the norm for the time but now in retrospect it's really corny that when people get shot no matter where they get shot number one there's no squib there's no blood, and they just go, ah! They clench their heart, and... Uh. Or they do a little spin around, and they, they lie like this, like, just totally limp. After one shot, like, immediate... Immediate death. Immediate death. Like, it's so cartoony. Like, I remember, like, remember in Django, when she sh he shoots that lady, and she flies backwards? Yeah. Like, they're not exaggerating that much there. Like, it's, it, it is cartoony, I guess, because it's cheaper. They just go, oh. Like you get a few shots of uh, blood here and there, but it is really weird that like you get shot in the chest and then uh, they just clench their heart. Well, the blood looks terrible. It looks bad. The the scene where he gets beat up and interrogated, yeah. and then he's bloodied up for that scene. The blood looks so bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of bl what they were using. They should have just gotten the fucking chocolate syrup <laughs> that Hitchcock was eating or something. But like, it looks terrible. <laughs> Uh, but th that's just like another production charm for me. It's like the thing with this movie is that like it's not perfect. Um, and it's not like one of the most goaded movies ever. But it's just it's just like has this quality of it where like you take all its faults, technical like that, the small ones like like the makeup and the audio stuff like that. And you know it's a product at the time, but it really just embodies the genre so well. I think you're seeing it how I'm seeing Star Trek, where I said the other day, it just works, right? <laughs> I like Star Trek, too. Oh, uh, 
Not as much as I do. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you know what? With Star Trek, I can I can see that too. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, the sets look bad. It, but it just works. Well, Star Trek, I'll say TOS, it does just work. Like, yeah. That, that, movie, that series is timeless. That's what I wanted to say. And this is my main issue with the movie while watching it. Overall, my main takeaway is that this movie is not timeless. Why do you say that? Because the type of person it's trying to idolize will no longer be idolized in the future. But it's timeless in that it just it's it's a it's the it's the one of the westerns. So I don't know if the, look. The, you, do you listen to a lot of blues? Is, I listen to blues sometimes. You listen to Led Zeppelin. Do you listen to? But I listen to what Led Zeppelin covers after <laughs> I listen to Led Zeppelin, and that's a that's a fact. Look, you, they're just. Do you listen to fiddle music? No. It used to be huge. No, like I, I, like I said, like the Western genre died for a reason. That move, that will never come back unless yeah. they add like fucking guns, gun, more guns, and ray guns, and pop culture references, and Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> and something else, and Keanu, whatever, throw Spider Man in there. Then it's not gonna last because it as a. It had its time. There's only so many of those kind of stories you can do, and boy, did they really exhaust all possibilities. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very slow type of movie. But I like Westerns. I like Westerns too, but I don't think this is going to be... I don't think it's timeless. I really I really don't. And that, that type of person... I don't know. I don't know. And this movie just does things... Like, there's only one female character in the movie, and she's a damsel in distress. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, this movie is, you know, it's not progressive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, like, there's two women in the film. One of them is a damsel in distress, and then the other one just gets shot dead on her front porch. Uh, so, it does not pass the Bechdel test, unfortunately. <laughs> And that kind of, like that is kind of you know it is what it is <laughs> you know it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> hey shit yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and just like I said the character I don't know um I'll I'll give it another watch with what you said in mind but uh, here's the thing watch we'll watch a few for a few dollars more we'll watch the good the bad and the ugly which is the best one and even better than this mm-hmm. this like take the good the have bad, you seen that one yeah oh okay. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is, like, this movie, but then it's, like, let's get, like, a little more serious, and, like, let's really try to make something, like, it really aspires to something more. I'm so hyped. That will be, that'll be worth the watch, and that'll be, uh, th- that'll be more cumulative bags, uh, in that episode than it will be for this one, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm, like, be- and maybe I kind of just had too high of expectations, yeah. um, going into it it's just a basic ass movie yeah this, this movie is like i don't think it pioneered anything except the you know clint eastwood's character which once again isn't even original he just really uh, is iconic in that role like it doesn't really do anything novel it just kind of looks good and it's a cartoony movie that's you know pretty straightforward in the sense that hey it's a western let's shoot him up yeah yeah I just wanted to, I kind of skipped over it, but I really like the ending. We didn't even really talk about it that much. Um, the bad guy in this movie, like I said, isn't, I mean, he's bad, but he, the bad guys just kind of do stuff that, they just have to like take the actions at face value and be like, that's really heavy and like give a shit. But for me, I have to like, I have to care about the characters I can't just be like I can't just see a heavy thing and be like oh that sucks you know mm-hmm. just because it is yeah like at at the beginning when um what's the main bad guy's name uh like the three brothers yeah well the but the main brother oh Ramon Ramon when like him and his crew just shoot up all of those uh soldiers soldiers I was like okay <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for those... Dude, they had a big-ass Gatling gun, and they were going... I feel bad for those horses that they had to make fall over all the time on set, and they probably broke their legs, but, I mean, I don't feel bad for these guys, you know? That's not, like... I don't know, maybe I'm just desensitized to that because of all the movies <laughs> I've seen, but, like, okay, whatever. And that's just kind of the movie, it was, like... And 
because I think that, why does our main character, like, care? Why does he give a damn at all? Well, one thing about the Joe or the man with no name is that he wanders into town and initially, you know, he you think he's kind of a, not a scummy guy, but you know that he's a typical cowboy type. He's in it for himself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole movie, he's just playing these two sides against each other. But then you just have like that last little bit where the character, and this is where the character development is, and he does a good deed for Mary Sell and her family, and he lets her go, and then I think that's where he kind of skews, and he realized that, number one, he wants to get revenge on these guys, yeah. but number two, like, this is the thing to do, especially after they massacre the other gang. Uh, and Maybe that was my issue with, like, so in the first half of the movie, do you think he is just a scummy guy, and then yeah, a switch? he gets a little better, yeah. Like, the reason, like... It's a it's subtle development, and the thing is, like with a western, you know, the characters don't change that much because they're archetypes, right? You know, he rides off into the sunset, basically the same character, and I'm sure there's a series of, um, you know, stories similar to that in this guy's past, or you're supposed to imagine that. But the thing is that you know you don't want the characters to stay completely static, so they have little changes like that throughout the journey where they perceive to you know make a right choice or learn something. So you think, okay, I for me, like, I was watching it, and I thought that he was always going to, like, flip. Like, I thought that was his plan. Well, he was always flipping, but then he does good, and then at the end, when the bad guys really make themselves clear, he knows what he has to do. But I thought that that was, like, his plan all along. Like, I guess that was my issue, was, like, I didn't know that he was just supposed to be a bad guy at the beginning. Oh. Well, you, oh, if a guy rides in on a course like that, and he's squinting like that with a cigar in his mouth, he's bad news. I'm not prejudiced, I'm not prejudiced, you know? I am. I see a guy like that come into, you know, my store, I say, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> I want to see your ugly mug here again. <laughs> I feel like he's just so friendly to um, to the barkeep. I, I, I didn't think they, he was supposed have... to be bad. Like I thought he was just planning this all along. And I was like, get on with your plan already. <laughs> well, his plan was just like, let me just make money by putting these sides against each other. Because people get killed as a result of his actions like all the time in this movie. Did they make that like clear? Did I miss a scene or something where he's like said this? Or he says what? Like, that he was always planning on putting them against each other for money? Well, no, he probably... He came in, and then he's like, these guys are fighting each other, and then he just, like, I'm the man. Because he even says in the beginning, and this is just, like, this little clever allusion to just the whole plot of the film, he's like... He's on the balcony, he says, Baxter's over there, and Rojo's over there, and I'm I'm in in the the middle. middle. And you just know from that scene that he's got a money-making scheme in mind where he's just going to take what he can and get out. I did not see it that way. You didn't see it that way? You know what? I refuse to give bags. <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I got this movie. Give it bags, okay? Because, no. Because I, I refuse. <laughs> you refuse to give bags? I refuse. Listen, if there's no bags, things get fucky wucky with time and space, okay? So you really need to give some bags here or we're gonna have big problems. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, I, I refuse. I refuse. I don't think I got this movie. I'm going to watch it again, and I'll get back to you next week. Should I save my bags for next week, no, too? No, you have bags. I don't. I didn't make popcorn. You didn't make... Why? You don't... Oh, are you on a diet or something? Yeah, something like that. <sighs> Come on, man. You're so lean for your age. You don't need anything <laughs> like that. I'm going to give five bags. I really like this movie. This is a cop classic for me. Five bags? What the fuck? Five bags of popcorn, yeah. Just that easy? Boom. Throw it up there with Dawn of the Dead. Boom. Throw it up there with Reanimator. Boom. Because this is a cop classic. Up there with Elfin Man. Uh, (laughs) Up there with Elfin Man for sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Shit. Yeah, I don't think I got this movie. I'll try it again. It's okay. And uh, I'll get back to you next week. Did you watch A Fistful of Datas, however? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, How many bags for that? Yeah, five out of five bags for a full of data. It was so uh, good when, uh, you know, it was, it was just a classic. <laughs> it was just a classic episode of Trek, you know. It's got all the characters you would want or need, you know. Uh, data. Pekirk. Pekirk. Um, Spock's there, of course. Um, hey, he's in Next Gen. Uh, Han is there. Uh yeah, so they're all there. It's a good t- it's a good time. It's a good up, for sure. How many bags for a fistful of data is? 
Out of ten? Yeah. It's so just, why didn't you tell me to watch it then? Uh, it's just fun. <laughs> That's it. I'm really glad I didn't watch this five out of five out of ten Star Trek. Okay. Uh, episode from Next Gen, which I no, haven't five even out of seen six. much out of it. Five. Yeah. Five out of six. Yeah. It's just so. It's just like it, it's a holodeck episode <laughs> where. Uh, here's. I'll tell you the. Are, are the holodeck episodes throwaway episodes? No, some are good, but some, you know, get on with it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the rundown of the plot. Okay. So, they kind of have some, they have some free time. It's a classic free time episode where you, they got free time, but let's make a problem in the free time. Okay, when you say holodeck, do they go into the holodeck and then wacky hijinks ensue? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. do they not just turn the holodeck well, They can't. Oh, I see. <laughs> The buttons all the way at the top of this mountain. Oh no! So that's some free time. Worf is practicing. Worf. Picard is practicing his flute. Um, people keep on bothering him about shit, and he's like, oh, "What do you want?" Like Worf is trying to make a job for himself because he doesn't want to spend time with the son because he's a deadbeat dad. His son Alexander. <laughs> um, and um, so he's like making jobs for himself, and Picard is like, "You know what? You're relieved of duty." Stop bothering me. Like, you have the, take the day off, go have some fun. And then he goes to Alexander's room, and Alexander's like, oh, what did he say? And he's like, I've been relieved of uh, duty. And Alexander's like, so you can uh, play with me? And he's like, yup. Why does he hate his son? <laughs> he's just too awkward, and he's not good at it. And he... Where did his son come from? Like, an illegitimate... No, he had a um, girlfriend, and then she got killed. In oh. uh, some sort of Klingon issue. What's with Star Trek and deadbeat dads? Because Shatner was also a deadbeat dad <laughs> in those movies. And then his son dies and he's not even like that broken up about <laughs> it. He's broken up about it in the sixth movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but we just have to wait a couple of movies for the <laughs> grieving process to set in, I guess. <laughs> okay. So like, you'll finally get that Shatner grief. Um, so he's like, yeah, I can spend time with you. And he's like, all right, well, saddle up, partner. And he gives him a, a cowboy hat and some boots. And then Jordy goes now with the beard because they wanted to try a bearded Jordy. Very tasteful looking. He goes to, what were you saying? What kind of beard? Well, he has a little fade going on. Oh, so he's like, uh, so he's kind of light skin in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get you, I get you. Uh, him and uh, Data are working on a project. And he's like, I'm thinking we can hook the ship up to Data and, you know, he can work as a backup system because he can just run the ship in his mind if he, if he needed to. And then he was like, okay, just do it, just do it. Like, I want to work on my flute. You got it. it. Sounds like a great idea. Uh, and they go and do that. So Worf and his son go into the holodeck and they're doing a, they're doing a good and the bad and the ugly game, movie, right? Uh, uh, Alexander's like, you're the sheriff, I'm your deputy, and uh, we got bad guys to catch. He's like, all right. So he goes up to the bad guy and just um, picks him up. And he's like, you're under arrest. And Alexander's like, okay, this is no fun. You gotta, <laughs> like, you gotta work with the, you know? Um, so he ups the difficulty. And then while they're in the holodeck, um, Jordy starts to sing with Data. And Data, what was even, like, the explanation at the end? Data... Data's malfunction. There's a malfunction, and uh, his, like, sub-processor routines, yada, yada, yada. Uh, of course. Every, I'm sure all the audience members are familiar with sub-processor routines. He, um, he basically takes over all, like, the ship's memory banks, and it's just, like, he inserts himself in it. So they're practicing some play um, that... Beverly Crusher is doing and they start reading their lines and it's um, a callback to a previous episode where uh, Data writes this poem for his cat Spot and it's called Ota Spot and they start reading off lines of this poem they're like what the hell is this um, and then anyways Data becomes all the bad guys in the holodeck they can't turn this computer off they're stuck in there and he kidnaps Alexander and then Worf has to rescue him and then uh, Troy is also in the game and she's playing the man with no name she's like chewing on a cigar or a cigarette 
And uh, what is it? A cigarette? An old style cigarette? A I th- cigarello? I think it's a cigarello. Yeah. Because it's like it's too thin to be a cigar. It's not yeah. a cigarette. Yeah, I guess a cigarello. She's chewing on one of those. She has like a she has a pistol, uh, and she she says like I'll work for you for five hundred dollars, which is how much Joe asks for yeah. in the fistful of dollars. So that was funny, and I think the episode was directed by uh, Patrick Stewart too. And it was really yeah, that's the episode. Damn. Does he direct any other episodes? I don't know off the top of my head. I think most of the major cast got to direct something. Yeah. Like uh, Jonathan Frakes, who plays Riker, directed uh, First Contact. Even LeVar Burton? I think so. Well, he directed uh, Deep Space Nine episodes for sure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 You know, when you work on Star Trek, you got to be an all-arounder, okay? You got to work the camera. You got to work the script. <laughs> it's... They're the crumb, they're like crap. I get it. And LeVar Byrne was like a f- fanboy of Star Trek, so... Yeah, like the 60s one? Yeah, like yeah. he would go to the conventions and stuff. Classic. Yeah. And he would have to dress up as uh, Ahura because he's <laughs> 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 black guys in Star Trek. He can dress up as that one guy in the... Oh, no, that was next gen. But anyways, uh, I'm going to finish it. Oh, look. In that GIF. Oh. <laughs> Who, is that? Who is that guy? Just a random, like... Sometimes they'll have, like... Um, helmsman on because like I don't know uh, Brent Spiner isn't in that day or whatever and yeah. they just have to get a random helmsman who's just a random helmsman for the episode <laughs> it's funny how it's just like oh we have a new helmsman today oh he died <laughs> 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 alright come back uh, Sulu alright get back to work huh? I'm going around <laughs> Classic. Uh, lastly, the only thing I want to talk about is uh, we went to the Cinematheque, and this was the first time for me in the Cinematheque, and I don't know if have you seen that video. Never mind. Which I'll show you later. This is a clip of Owen Wilson uh, doing an interview with Marvel. And oh, where he's like, oh, <laughs> it's, I'm so happy. And they edited it, and yeah. you're like, what? what? You couldn't get him to say it? Was he too fucked up? What's going on? <laughs> he goes like, this is a first time for me in the <laughs> Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Anyway, um... So this was the first time for me going there, and it's a like it's a really cute little theater. It's just in this old uh, building because in our downtown we have so many old buildings that have been repurposed, uh, yeah, remodeled on the inside. Um, it's just like the theater is just like it's not even that big of a room. There's probably fifty seats. So. It's like your super rich friends like home theater. Yeah, his basement. basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like honestly. Uh, it's very... I don't know if there's any other screens. I think that's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. There's one screen, and it's good enough size. Um, the layout's fine. You have lots of leg room, which is really nice. Like, you can just fully extend your legs, no problem. Mm-hmm. Seats are pretty comfy. They have a cute little concession where they have uh, popcorn and, like, Jones's, which is nice. Yeah, they have Jones soda, and the popcorn is so affordable. It's the the pricing is so tasteful. Yeah, it was eight fifty. I think tax is included in the price. Listen, I got a small popcorn and a root beer, and the small popcorn is like big. If you're if you're yeah. if it's a big popcorn, okay, you get that for six fifty. You know, hey, you take it. Here's a little tip on the side too. Thank you, Cinema Day. I uh I need to stop ordering the regular size popcorns because I never finish them. <laughs> but then you have some to take home. I take it home and then I have some popcorn the next morning and I feel like a fat ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm having a Cineplex popcorn for breakfast. I gotta be doing this shit. <laughs> then you're like, Immediate popcorn when I wake up. Okay, well, I would have saved it for like movie or TV time the next day. But if you're gonna pop, <laughs> if you're gonna breakfast it, then yeah, maybe just get the swells for now. Okay. <laughs> they had these like uh, really corny ads because they do like Winnipeg adverts while you're waiting for the movie to start, and then it's kept seeing like, the same one where it's like, oh, it was a rocking time in the eighties, <laughs> and there's those clips of like dudes playing for like a crowd of twenty in Winnipeg. I like I hate to. I, I know I'm being a hater, but it's just so no, embarrassing. It was funny, because it's like, Winnipeg's vi- a vibrant bar in downtown scene in the 80s. And then it's like, yeah, you see, like, crowds of, like, max 50 people. <laughs> and, like, you, like it's like it's just cool, cool local filmmaking, but it's just so small time to what you're used to, you know. We're, we're Hollywood guys, Lucas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
this one clip of like these people talking about the Winnipeg movie scene, and this guy's like, "Oh, uh, we try to not be like the Hollywood type movies." And I said to Matt, "Good call." <laughs> Good call. I hope none of the loyal Cinematech uh, audience goers were uh, listening in on us and being like, who the fuck are these jackasses? <laughs> but but it, was, it was a good time. And then tickets are cheap. Yeah. You gotta support your theaters like that because they'll close down one day and they won't come back. No. No. Uh, whoa, whoops. That's it. Yeah. yeah, so I'm down to go see movies there whenever. Like, if there's a good movie, I'm, I'm down. Um, I don't know why they did this, but... On the website, it said that they were packed, but there was only, like, eight people in the theater. I guess they're doing, like, super social distancing. But that's, like, ridiculous. Like, it's seriously two people per row of, like, like, ten chairs. We had, like, one option to sit, like, that was, like, near the front, and then everything else was in the back. Like, two other options. And then there's, like, the theater was, like, literally, like, 80% or more empty and it was like, like 90 yeah, plus there's like nobody there and it was like okay guys you know I got yeah, my that's double, a bit much I got my double vax okay like yeah. I'm not gonna be coughing on anybody I promise that that is like a, that, that's why everyone's gotta buy their popcorn and drink cause they <laughs> got no ticket money here I, I I need to send an email to whoever's running that because that <laughs> actually was like ridiculous cause we didn't invite anyone else because we were like but there's so many empty seats. Like, our whole row except for us yes. was empty. Like, what? Why? Yeah. And the seats are, like, they're not sardine together. Like, our row is long. Yeah. Like, how long would you say? It was, like... 30 feet? Yeah, it was, like, 20-some seats at the very least. Like, maybe 25. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was kind of silly. That was a, a bit much. And we just said, fuck it. And we just sat in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and obviously nobody said anything. Because people go to the Cinematheque or Ferda. <laughs> <laughs> Karens don't go to the Cinematheque, okay, to, to watch Scream on a Sunday night. Yeah, we saw Scream. There were these two guys in front of us that were just loving it. Every time there was a funny line, the guy would laugh and then repeat the funny line. Yeah, those guys are classic. I was like, oh my god, check out Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> like, you would, you would literally just laugh and then go, Haha. yeah, that thing that just happened. <laughs> And it was just like, you know, these guys are classic. Those are like, those guys were in the front. I know those guys are at the Cinematheque every oh, yeah. night. Oh, yeah. Those are the lifers. That's going to be us in 10 years. <laughs> Keeping them afloat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Please uh, please open your seats a bit more because that's crazy. And if people can prove that they're double vaxxed, would take can with the QR code. They didn't, even, they didn't even scan my code. They just looked down there like, yeah, they probably don't have the money for a scanner. No, no, yeah, um, but, like, they could take out their phone, and if, like, it activates, like, if, if you take out your phone and scan my code, it'll bring you to, like, the Manitoba Health website, yeah. so you can do that just to, like, know that, just as something, I know, like, people could just use their friends or whatever, but, you know, just do something. I've been to lots of places where they're, like, yeah, okay, cool, uh, <laughs> and it's not taken that seriously. Yeah, it is what it is. What are you, what are you gonna do, huh? Get scanners. Like, like scanners? No, scanners? don't get that on Blu-ray. Biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> it's so engaging. No, no. Remember the scene where the guy's head explodes? Ephemeral. <laughs> the ephemeral, Lucas, remember. That was social commentary. I'm going to do it the scanner way and I'm going to suck your brain dry. <laughs> Michael, why, Michael Isai, why didn't you do a different movie instead of Scatters? He's the best part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, nothing else is particularly good. Not wide-eyed Luke Skywalker. Whole movie going it's ephemeral. Psychomantis? <laughs> Face camo? Interrupt their communications. <laughs> oh my god, he's my dad and you're my brother and now you're dead? I'm God! Yeah, you know, Cronenberg, shape up. Come on. Yeah. Wake up. This old Cronenberg movie? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's not not good. good. Yeah. All right, that's all I had. How about you? That's all I have, too. Well, what are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Well, I don't want to spin the wheel again. Well, you got a movie? (laughs) Well, I guess, do you want to do Dirty Work next week? Well, you don't want to spin the wheel. I spun the wheel and you got a 5 out of 5 cop classic, so... So when is it? 
okay. If I, I'm going to spin the wheel, mm-hmm. but what's going to happen mm-hmm. is that I'm not going to tell you what the picks are because um, I don't trust your judgment. <laughs> Why not? Um, because uh, we watch a lot of bad movies. You just don't get them out. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. All right, okay. The number generator. Which site do you use, sir? Oh, uh, never mind. Google's got my back. Yeah, you can just Google it. Okay, just let me click. <laughs> okay. Uh, generate number. Okay. Uh... He said to go to the museum. That's a, that's my impression of the main character in Scanners. <laughs> Are you saying I'm a scanner? <laughs> yes, he's a scanner. Oh, you know what? The, the dad was good in Scanners, too. The professor dad. Oh. He is okay. Yeah, he was okay. Look, okay, we gotta take what we can get with that movie. Okay, this one is not a cult movie, in my opinion. Like, we can review it, but, like, I don't think so. Uh, it's Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, that's one. I know that it's on that list, and it doesn't... <laughs> Sometimes there's bad picks on here. Like, Anchorman? Okay, maybe that's a cult movie. Yeah, that one is. But, I'd like... Okay, Star Wars, like, yeah. We guys. Predator? Is that really a call movie, though? Didn't that movie make a lot of money? Isn't that just a well-liked film that got well re- good reviews, too? Yeah, like, uh, what I try to think about is... How I try to think about it sometimes, too, is, like... Um... Are there fanboys of this? Like, a, and are there, like, Predator fanboys? I don't really, I don't think so. Like, like yeah, is there Predator Con? <laughs> like, Predator's, like, a... Like a cult franchise, it's just like a nerd franchise, really. Yeah. So they're just, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, look, if we have to go through all of our films like that, uh, it's going to be slim pickings. Is there really like an Ed Wood con, you know? No, but that, but it, it has like other, like it's kind of, there's like a checklist and like if it hits some of them, then it's fine. Like Ed Wood is, it didn't do well. And then there's a, a, a call phone, just people who yeah. really like it. Yeah. But like something like Predator, that's a big movie, made a lot of money, right? But then for me, it turns into like, okay, are there fanboys of it? Like Star Wars made a lot of money, but there is a huge like actual cult following of this franchise where they'll just eat up anything that they're given and they just love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Predator, I mean, there's probably like a handful of people who have a Predator poster framed in their room and they have Predator action figures, you know? I got 296, which is Friday the 13th. Oh, nice! So you want to do that? Yeah. Isn't that movie bad? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, you know, you you can't win them every time. But but now you get to start it, you know? You get to know the movie. Get to learn what Jason's all about. Get to see me. I already, I, because I saw Scream, I already know that the killer is his mom mm-hmm. and not him in the movie. Spoiler. But he's at the end with makeup done by Tom Savini. Of Dawn of the Dead. Of thing. Dawn of the Dead. And from Dusk Till Dawn. Damn. Yeah, there's a lot of not cult movies on this list. Um, like what? Um, Wait, which list are you on? 400? The 400. The classic 400 <laughs> list that we pull all our movies from. What do you, like, they have the deer hunter on here. That's just a, like, that's just, like, a Godfather type movie. That's, like, having like Godfather gem? in the hidden gem section. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm not getting the deer hunter one. Is there any other ones? Uh, let's, that, that, uh, are not really cult? Yeah. Let's see. Because, you know, if we ever land on those, we can just veto those, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I don't want to veto bad movies, because we still have to mix the good with the bad and the ugly. <laughs> But, uh... Like, Stand By Me is not a cult movie. That movie made a lot of money, and it got Oscar nominations. Yeah. That's just a popular movie. They got, like, the blind side next. <laughs> oh, God. I hope that doesn't end your cult status. I don't like that movie. It's so it's so sweet. I find it so dull. It's... And then, and they made us watch it, like... I mean, I had to watch it, like, maybe, like, two and a half times over the course <laughs> of my schooling career. Like, that's just a go-to movie to put on, I guess. I don't know, because it's... Then the Titans movie... Yeah, it's just like, dude, racial harmony and uh, overcoming adversity and anybody can be anything. And the movies are not that good. Yeah, I used to really like those as a kid, but looking back on them now, it's just like, it's just so sweet. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's Oscar bait. Yeah. That's an Oscar bait film. Okay, you, people hate on Forrest Gump, but at least Forrest Gump's kind of funny. Okay, there's nothing really funny about the blind side. No. 
Except there's probably like white people be like jokes <laughs> that I've forgotten about. Yeah, like what you doing, crack it? <laughs> and like remember the time. And remember the times. Yeah, there's the stuff like that. Yeah. Cause they're all like, <laughs> they're all kind of gooey. Yeah, whatever. Was there anything else? Completed the Pokedex and Emeralds. And it was epic. Was it worth the grind? Yeah. The grind's not done though. <laughs> the grind never stops. No, simple as. Poke gamers, this is to all Poke gamers out there, because uh, they're quickly surrounding me. Uh, they're all insane. You're all insane. You need help. These guys, they just, you know, our buddy, he'll, Jonathan, he'll just, he'll just reset thousands of times. And I can't, I can't do it, you know? What's the end game to get a different colored Pokemon? A black Charizard. I, I just can't, I, I couldn't justify it. I couldn't do it. Dude, I don't know. It takes a certain mind. You need to be like a Sigma to be able to do yeah. that stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm just a beta. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> Like, it seriously pisses me off. Like, I get pissed off at this game, and I just, like... I just, Twitch a little? I, like, get addicted, and I'm like, okay, one more hour. <laughs> like, you, it's just, like, I don't know, just to that hunt, like, it just... My brain is like, you gotta get it, you gotta get it. Listen, I quit Pokemon Cold Turkey, like, ten years ago. I can't go back, man. I you, can't go back. Are you gonna get uh, Arceus? Look, I, I can't go back, man. <laughs> Pokemon Snap? You gonna get yeah, the new guess, TCG? Yeah. yeah, I get the new TCG game that comes out for sure. I need to get uh, the Pokemon Trading Card game game for the Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the last one I need, and I have all the Game Boy games. And then you can battle other people. Can you do that? If you can't, then like, oh my god, <laughs> you have to be able to battle in that game. I'll, I have all the cards that are gonna be in that game though. Like what exactly? Like why would you like? The Pokemon trading card game is, like, what you get instead of cards because it ends up being cheaper. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's it's weird. They would not do a TCG today. Like, they maybe they would for, like, 10 bucks or something. Isn't there a Yu-Gi-Oh! one that's pretty big? The Yu-Gi-Oh! games are big, which is weird. I don't know. Yu-Gi-Oh! fans are, like, there's something else, though. Like, they're, they're... They've taken their faces off. Like, it's... I can't explain it. The amount of Yu-Gi-Oh cards there are is nuts. Like, Pokemon, again, like, Yu-Gi-Oh, like, if you're still into Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like, so what happened when you were a kid? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the question, you know? <laughs> I, like, I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh, and I, like, I have nostalgia, or, like, no, I don't. Like, I used to, I used to be so into it, but I have no nostalgia. I, like, I don't remember as any of it. But, like, I have nostalgia for Pokemon, and, like, I'm like, oh, this was awesome. I had this card. Like, I want to get this card, but for Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, I had binders and binders full of cards, but, I, like, I mean, the Elemental Heroes were cool, but, like, they don't have, like, I'm not buying any Yu-Gi-Oh! cards, you know what I mean? It really just felt like a Pokemon in imitator with... Be uh, edgy. With a middle school audience, yeah. target audience instead of elementary, and then it, but it just has n none of the charm of Pokemon, none of the iconic designs. Yeah. All anyone knows is Blue Eyes White Dragon, um, and that's just like, can anybody draw Blue Eyes White Dragon? It's just like an excessively detailed dragon because that's all Yu Gi Oh was like, it's like super cool monster. I I know like that's. That's how I feel about, like, um, I know I've said this to you so many times, but, like, that's how I feel about, like, Sega. Yeah, Sega's like that, too, admittedly. Yeah. Where Sonic is like, alright, we've gotta do something. We gotta do Mario, but cooler. Yeah. So this guy doesn't give an F, he's got cool <laughs> shoes, he's rad, he likes pizza, and he runs really fast. <laughs> and that's what they got. Uh, and, yeah, kids eat it up. They eat it up. Yeah. But, like, it, for me, it just, I don't know, didn't age well. I like that... Oh man, that original Pokemon art where they were monsters and it they just, had to graph. Like, there's something about Pokemon. They really struck gold. Like, there's a magic yeah. to that franchise, admittedly. <clears throat> there's just something about Pokemon. It just scratches that itch. Like, as kids, I don't know if you did this, but I did this, where like, I would go out and like hunt bugs and stuff. Yeah. And it's just that, but in a, like, a cartoony package. Yeah. Where you're just hunting, you know? And they can fight each other. Yeah. They look cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah, finish with Pokedex is awesome, but probably gonna have to still sink like fifty more hours. I'm at one ninety right now, and it. Uh, <laughs> oh no 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 no! But 
finish the poker decks, then I'm going to complete the living decks, get all the gold symbols, get all the berries, get all the TMs, get all the hold items. You know, you got to get a shiny in there, hunt a few shinies. You know get, what I'm saying? Get the shiny Pokedex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that in when crystal. Does, when does it end with you people? There is no end. When will you learn that your actions have consequences? But, uh, yeah, to all my pokey freaks out there. All, the all, po- all my game freaks. All my game freaks. <laughs> I love you. I'm going to buy uh, the new TCG that's coming out. I'm going to open it all up on uh, Instagram Live. So stay tuned for that. All right, set the date. And then it'll be a cop event. <laughs> we'll just open them all up and hopefully get some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really want that new base set Charizard they're, they're releasing. I'll get that graded for sure. If I get to. Anyways, that's the episode, Matt. Peace. <laughs> yeah, man. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com. And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.